Welcome to the next episode of the FAST Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Roach. This podcast series is brought to you by the Farmed Animal Antimicrobial Stewardship Initiative, or FAST for short. The FAST Initiative is all about providing farmed animal owners and veterinarians with a number of things, news, tools, resources, really any material that we can offer to help prevent antimicrobial resistance through improved on-farm stewardship of antimicrobials. This podcast series showcases conversations that we're having with practicing veterinarians and farmers across species in Ontario. In each episode, we discuss how antimicrobial resistance impacts them, what stewardship looks like in daily practice, and their views on the challenges and potential solutions to reducing our reliance on antimicrobials moving forward. Today, we're speaking with Dave Loweth from Summit Home Holsteins in Comptown, Ontario. The goal is to showcase a producer that's leading the way in dairy cattle health and management. Our conversation walks through Dave's perspectives on antimicrobial stewardship, the key factors to managing dairy cattle health, and the strategies he's employed on his farm to reduce antimicrobial use without compromising animal health and welfare. So let's get into it. Awesome. So thanks again, Dave, for uh, for being here. We appreciate your time and uh, excited to chat with you a little bit about antimicrobial use today. It's my pleasure to really be involved in these type of talks. Well, it's uh, it's exciting to be here on the farm, and and I think for many of our listeners, they're not going to have uh, had the opportunity or the privilege to be able to uh, tour around the farm. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Dave, and and where we are today? So we are in southwestern Ontario, just uh, outside the city of Hamilton. At the present time, we're milking around 475 cows three times a day. The herd total herd comprises around 1,050 head. It's a partnership between my brother Carl, his son Ben, and myself, and plus we have an extensive staff as well. Oh, that's great. And how long have you guys been around? We have been on this particular farm for over 70 years now. Started by with my parents back in uh, the 1947 uh, with 15 cows, and uh, we've been here ever since. Awesome. So maybe I'll jump out and, and ask you the first question. Um, you know, one of the jobs that we have in, in talking about antimicrobial stewardship is to try and get people, farmers, the public, um, doctors, everybody um, on the same page when it comes to antimicrobial resistance. So when I say antimicrobial resistance, what comes to mind for you, Dave, as a farmer in dairy? What, what comes to mind for me is to really minimize the use of antibiotics and you know, target the right amount at the right time to the right animal and, and not do blanket treatments as a uh, crutch for or maybe other failings in management. And is it a, is it a, a top of mind issue? I mean, it, depending on who you talk to, this is a bigger issue, at least or a higher priority. Where, where does it land for you? Well, antimicrobial use is certainly t- top of mind just from a standpoint of, of selling milk. Mm. And if I, you know, if I have a cow that's treated and we have a fairly large staff, we have to ensure that you know, these treated cows, the milk doesn't get put in with the supply chain. We have a number of safeguards in place for that. Um, but having said that, you know, mistakes can happen and uh, they are costly and no one wants that to happen. But fortunately, there's enough safeguards in the uh, supply chain that it, anything that's contaminated never makes it into the human food supply. But you know, so we are very judicious and very cautious about the types of uh, antimicrobials we use in terms of treating animals. So you know, we like to prefer to use something that doesn't have any kind of milk withdrawal at all. But sometimes that is necessary, and but we you know, we try to keep that to a minimum, and uh, we are very very cautious as to how we use that. 
um, you know, for pneumonia is a matter of fairly rare for us, so it's uh, we're not dealing with those very much. In the milking herd, you know, we're, we're talking for the most part, you know, mastitis or that type of thing. Or you know, if we have a cow that's had surgery, then that cow most likely will be on some sort of penicillin or something like that for a number of days. Um, and we, but that's you know, out of a herd of you know, 450 or so milking cows. You know, if if I have you know one or two that I'm uh, keeping out of the lineup, then I'm that's probably the norm for us, uh, sort of thing. So it's never never a lot that we're keeping out. And again, we're very very selective as to who we treat. The other antimicrobial resistance thing is, is what do you do with dry cows or drying off time? Whether you use selective dry cow therapy, which we have been doing, so you have. Okay. we have. Um, so you know, any cow that's uh, not had an issue during lactation and has a somatic cell count of less than 150, um, we've been just uh, using uh, the teat barriers and and no antibiotics. Uh, but having that discussion, because we are an older herd, then we were just discussing with our veterinary practitioner the other day that maybe we should be. Uh, using antimicrobials on third lactation and later cows regardless and then just use the teat barrier and then only on the younger cows so that's a discussion we still have to have uh, some of the original work for orbiseal was done here oh cool okay um there you go and uh, so we did you know again that's how we came up with our protocol of 150,000 and, and less with no problem and uh so that we've been on that protocol for quite a number of years now um, but uh, that that may change as, as we go forward. Yeah. So that's been a big change, how you treat your dry cows. Right. Have you done anything else different uh, now that this is more top of mind for you? Um, well, long term, um, we're, you know, we're, we're trying to breed for, you know, immunity plus or animals that have better ability to you know, withstand a challenge, to deal with a challenge. Uh, so, you know, I, I really do believe that uh, even Today, we have much healthier cows than we did, you know, 10 or 20 years ago. Um, you know, if I look at the level of productivity and I look at their body scores and, and those uh, type of indicators, um, I think our cows are much, much healthier than, than they used to be. And that goes hand in hand with nutrition and, and comfort as well. You know, as, you know, as the people are building new barns and, you know, I've always believed bad barns kill cows uh, indirectly. You know, so true. If yeah. they, you know, if they, if you get an old cow with a sore foot or a DA, and then, you know, she's not comfortable and she doesn't eat and she loses weight and she doesn't get pregnant and then she's gone, yeah. and, and and it really wasn't entirely her fault. It was the circumstances that you put her in, and so um, we're that's that's why we focus so much on on cow comfort and, and feet and legs uh, is a big big factor in terms of maintaining feet and legs and foot baths and you know, hoof trimming and that you know, and, you know I. Good hoof trimming can add years to a cow's life, right? And and uh, and, and those are productive years. And no kidding. You know, so you know we so we do not treat very many cows, you know. But again, if a cow is ill and needs treatment, we will do it. It's not that we withhold something from a cow um, in order not not to treat them if a cow is ill. And you know, it's part of our mission statement that we will meet the needs of every cow every day. And if a cow needs therapy, we will give her therapy. Mm -hmm. But we try to keep that. Uh, to a minimum yeah that, uh, I always find that that point really important there's so many I think there's a lot of people or maybe some assumptions out there that reduce reducing use is just about blanket 
you know, we need to stop using antimicrobials. Right. And, and I think we really need to make sure we frame that conversation to say it's not about, you know, restricting right. uh, treatment from animals that need it. It's about making sure we're not using it when it's inappropriate, right? That's right. And, you know, and, and using it as a crutch for shortfalls in other areas. You know, so, you know, we're, we're not having, you know, oreomycin crumbles and mixed in with all our calf feed to minimize yeah. pneumonia. So that the problem is maybe there's an issue with the ventilation in the barn. Mm-hmm. And that, so we we try to be very very careful about all that. Mm-hmm. Dave, I just love your mission statement though. That's like I think this is the first farm I've been on that has like a, a mission statement that's you know written. That that's awesome and can speak to yeah, it. Yeah, very good. Yeah, it yeah. It, it means a lot to us. Um, we focus on it. It's what what we do every day, and we want you know the people that either come to visit us to see what we are about, or the staff too. This mm-hmm. is you know if this job needed to get done today it's going to get done today whether it's six o'clock at night or seven o'clock at night or whatever this this cow has important needs and we will deal with that so there's been a lot in the news and social media you know kind of pointing a finger at animal agriculture for pretty much everything um you know especially being like the biggest cause of resistance in humans which you know i've got my own opinions on that and i'm sure you do too so what like where do you think we are as in agriculture as a whole this is kind of a big picture question well i think i think we're doing really well in agriculture certainly the, the people that i deal with and, and the people that i run into now you know I, I really don't have anything to do with poultry people or hog people or yeah. or massive operations but yeah. um you know the, the pet the pet industry again gets away <laughs> you know, there's a lot of antibiotics going to pets. Yeah, a lot, yeah, and people think sure. nothing of that. And in terms of you know resistance, and then you get your dog on some sort of antibiotics, and it comes up and licks your face, and that, that kind of thing. So I don't yeah, know if it sleeps, transfers sleeps with me. My yeah, dog sleeps it transfers with me there too. or yeah. not. Um, you know, so the resistance thing is you know, certainly important. But you know, having said that, my wife is a family physician, and. and you know, and you know, people go. You know, they come in with a cold, but Christmas is coming, so you know, I don't want it to get worse. So, can you prescribe something? You know, and and my wife says, well, you know, chances are it's a virus. It's not going to respond to anything. But this person really insists on using antibiotics, and so you know, so it's it's difficult. Uh, you know, pe- people th- use far more antibiotics than they should on themselves. In in, in my yeah, exactly. non-medical opinion, yeah, <laughs> um, but you know, they're they're. They're, yeah. they're, they're not happy unless they come out with a prescription. Yeah. And, and so that's, you know, and, and, and then you know, people are really, in these cases, are their own worst enemies. You know, yeah. we, you, know, you know, vaccines are an important part of what we do. Yeah. And uh, I think they're very important, and I have no problem using vaccines as a, a way to prevent illness where you would need to use yeah. uh, antimicrobials. You know, people, you know, antibiotics are expensive. People don't use them, you know, will, willy-nilly uh, just because they think it's a good idea. Yeah. And we, we use them, you know, and, and we're always under the direct supervision of our veterinarian. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, these are highly regulated drugs, and so they should be. Yep. And uh, so, you know, probably, you know, we use less and less than, than we ever have. Yep. And you know, when I think about the milk industry many, many years ago when you didn't have the regulations in terms of antibiotic use and they weren't testing for antibiotics and residue in milk and that kind of stuff, you know, like people talk about the good old days. Well, those were the bad old days <laughs> in, in, exactly. ter- in terms of the amount of antibiotics used and unregulated and untested. And 
Well, I've even had vet mentors that have mentioned a lot of that sort of thing, right? Mm. Just the things that were done even, you know, 20, 30 years yeah, ago. Yeah, and, then, right? and, you know, so. and then you get people making up their own concoctions, which you have no idea. Exactly. About residue or yeah. efficacy or anything like that. No kidding. Yeah. It sounds like it's a good idea. But it, no. Yeah. So. And that's kind of, well, we're, we're kind of, the whole point of this is just to um, make it known that we're all in this together. Anyone that uses antibiotics is, is really in this together, right? And so we're that's all right. trying to do our part. Like, like yeah. a lot of yeah. first and foremost, yeah. you want to keep the animal as healthy as possible and exactly. give her the environment to do that. Yeah. But, you know, having said that, things happen and animals do get ill. Mm -hmm. And it's our responsibility as good stewards and good animal husbandry people mm -hmm. to make that animal feel better and hope her recovery, you know, to be well. Mm -hmm. So, talking about uh, keeping animals healthy, do you have a top three things that every dairy producer should do to keep their animals healthy? Well, uh, comf cow comfort is a huge thing, and ventilation. Th th those two are, would be, you know, num number one and two on my yeah. list, and they're basically equal. You you give them the right environment to work in, um, and it's just, I mean, it's like if you think about, you know, little calves, you know, and I would say that you know, there's a reason kids die in refugee camps is because they're cold, wet, and hungry. Yeah. Right. And and you know, if your calves are that, you're gonna have the same results. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know. Crowding is a big issue. Space makes up for a lot of sins. Mm -hmm. If you have a lot of space where animals don't have to breathe the other contaminated air or that kind of thing, then that, that's, a, that's a big, big factor. Dave, when you mentioned um, cow comfort, can you break that up for us a little bit? What, what does that mean for you? Uh, obviously, sand is a big part yeah, of that. Yeah, just a really comfortable place to lie down, yeah. you know, to, uh, you know, easy to lie down and easy to get up again. You know, not, not being worried about getting up and banging themselves. Uh, not overcrowding groups in terms of cow comfort. Uh, we, we group cows by, uh, by lactation, basically, or certainly the first lactation cows are all together, so they're not challenged by physically larger cows. Uh, we do keep a close eye on our, our pen count, so, you know, our, our fresh cows, we want them at 80% stocking density, all, 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 and the close-up cows, the same thing. We just built a new big pack barn for our, our close-up yeah, cows. It's beautiful. Yeah. And then uh, the other cows at 100% stocking density, mm -hmm. if we can. And uh, hard to do, you know, it's, you know, because you put another two or three cows and you don't you don't see it, but they see it. And uh, mm -hmm. we we try very hard to watch our pen counts as well, and give everybody enough enough room. And I'm going to use one of those quotes you had from before, bad barns kill cows. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to use that if that's okay. <laughs> yeah, like, I, you know, I, I really do. If they don't have the right environment, um, then, you know, they're just compromised every way they go. If, you know, if they, if they can't, you know, walk the feed or if they can't, you know, lie comfortably or get up and, and you know, they'll lose weight. And, yep. Yep. you know, if a cow is going to have a displacement or acidosis or something, these will all contribute to those type of things. Yep. So they just, they do, they do kill cows, you know, and, and it's frustrating and it's, you know, and there's not much as the producer you can do if you're working with, you know, really, really compromised facilities. Yeah. You'll, every now and again, you'll run into somebody that's running 145% stocking density and he's doing great, but yeah, for the most part, not. And, you know, for all we've done is as an industry breeding cattle and, and managing cattle, you know, our herd turnovers have not changed a great deal. Right, you're still at thirty percent for most farms mm -hmm. and that kind of thing, and I don't really understand that. 
You know, we've been breeding for longevity forever, but we really haven't moved the needle on number of lactations per cow. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, admittedly, we're getting more milk out of those cows before they leave, but I don't quite understand why we're still at whatever we are, 2.1, 2.7, whatever numbers person wants to use. You know, some of those are economics, but I, I don't quite get it. Um, I, I really don't get this idea of turning cows over quickly to get younger genetics in the herd, better mm-hmm. younger genetics. To me, mm-hmm. that's the same as dealing your car every year. That makes no sense to me, even though the new car may have somewhat slightly better mileage. The economics of doing that make don't no, make sense. Don't, yeah. don't make any sense to me at all. Yep. You know, so and, you know, we will keep old cows. We'll breed them a, a number of times because she is making money as you're doing that, where the heifer that you're replacing her with is not. Right. And I don't have a hard time getting my head around that. Uh, other people will argue the other way. But uh, I think keeping these cows as long as you can for, you know, for me, it's all return on investment. Mm-hmm. Those are the numbers that I look at. And you've got a system that can, that can keep those older cows yeah. healthy, right? Like yeah, they yeah. can, mm-hmm. it's not like you're That's just right. hanging on to them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like they're doing exactly. well. They're yeah, thriving. Yeah, they, they're, doing, they're doing well. Yeah. They're doing well. One question I had, you mentioned um, that you've been you sort of tinkering with the selective dry cow therapy a little bit, um, and you mentioned the 150,000 cells, I think that was based on some of the protocol you yeah. did with the Orbiseal project, right. it sounded like. What what specifically are you, what's sort of your criteria for, for selective dry cow therapy? So for dry cow therapy, any, any cow that uh, has not had an issue during lactation and has you know consistently been under 150,000, then that's a cow that will maybe just use uh, a barrier teat dip or a barrier, uh, physical barrier in, yeah. in the teat canal. And, and uh, so we're doing that now probably with first and second lactation cows. It may change on older cows now to uh, dry. Now, having said that, um, I would dry treat everybody with antimicrobials if I was concerned at all with the environment that they were going to. If, you know, if, if, if my dry cow facilities were not as clean as my milking cow facilities right. or that, then I would absolutely blanket treat everybody mm-hmm. if I was concerned. Um, you know, fortunately, our cows have a, you know, a, a lots of space in a good you know, sand-bedded barn that's f- clean. Um, but if I was at all concerned, then there'd be no doubt in my mind I'd blanket dry treat everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it really gets back to the environment. Right, yeah. the yeah. other the other things you're doing to manage these animals right. outside of the antibiotic use. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Another big. I'm always the big. Uh, I know you keep getting all the big ones today. <laughs> <laughs> what does the future of antibiotic use look like in the dairy industry, Dave? <laughs> oh, that's a really good question. I think we're probably going to have more and more things taken away from us, mm-hmm. um, just from public pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, even though we're, I think we're fairly responsible as to how we use it and we're going to have to work with other supplementary type you know, protocols mm-hmm. you know more analgesics um those kind of you know, fluid, fluid therapy vaccines yep. everything to prevent yep. issues um you know and you know through the genetics immunity plus and that these are all factors that are that will play in mm-hmm. but you still will have issues that you're going to have to deal with and the cons- I don't know if the consuming public is going to live with it or not and, and whether they take away everything from us. I mean, you know, there were, there were certain drugs that they took away because they were carcinogenic, and I can understand that, like the chloramphenicols yeah. and, and that kind of stuff. That, yeah. that, that I can well understand. Sure, yeah. But things that, you know, that we're using on a regular basis that are not harmful, then I, I, it's unfortunate if they take that away because, you know, some animals are going to suffer because of it. 
Mm-hmm. Well, have you had cho- talk with a chicken farmer? There's a lot of the, you know, the industry's really taking that turn towards raised without antibiotics. Yeah. And if you don't make any other barn changes, management changes, and if you just take them away, things get worse. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Be- the word natural is a bizarre word. We get a lot of urban people through here. And yeah. you know, I said, well, if you like natural so much, turn off your air conditioner when you drive home today. Natural does not always equate to be the best. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll deal with whatever comes. You yep. know, and, exactly. and, and that's fine. Um, you know, the consuming public may end up paying more. Uh, for products that are going to cost us more to produce by having some things taken away. And, and and I'm okay with that. What I'm not okay with is if stuff comes in from other countries that don't have the same restrictions that exactly. we have. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, for sure. And that's, and that's going to be extremely difficult to police. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. I, I will compete on any playing field that anybody wants as long as it's the same for everybody yeah, else. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not concerned about that. Yeah. Yep. But then when you put in non-tariff barriers and all this kind of stuff, then it makes it problematic for us. Sure. Totally. Yeah. Great. Excellent. Well, I think with yeah. that, we'll, we'll call it a wrap. Thanks, Thanks very much, Dave. Dave. Thank that you. That was awesome, man. Thanks for listening today. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Remember to check back with this podcast as we're going to continue putting up new podcasts on this issue. And we're also working on other tools and resources for veterinarians and producers, all focused on antimicrobial resistance and the practice of antimicrobial stewardship. You can find all of these tools and resources at www.amstewardship.ca. FAST is a collaborative initiative between the Ontario Veterinary Medical Association, ACER Consulting, government, academic, and industry partners. Its mission is to improve antimicrobial stewardship in farmed animals, prepare farmed animal owners and their veterinarians for policy and regulatory changes, and ultimately to preserve the efficacy of antimicrobials without compromising animal health or food safety. Thanks for listening. Thank you.